Good evening, Chicago. You're listening to Inspirational Perspective. I'm your host, Linnell Harris, Chicago's very own life coach, right here on WBON 1690 AM, the talk of Chicago. Well, I had a topic for tonight, but we just basically made a change in course. So I got a, I got a real special gift for you guys. So if you can recall, at the end of last year, or the beginning of this year, one of the things I shared with you was that I would be telling you all a bit of my story. And I say a bit because it's hard, I believe, to to share the whole story in any real comprehensive way. But tonight what I want to do is share my story. And uh, I have my good friend David Anderson here in the studio to help me do that. David, how are you? I am awesome, sir. Now, real quick, quick intro for, for David. So David's a good friend. He's also the CEO of Keep Global. I also had David on the air, I believe, last year, fall of last year. And he did a show that you guys absolutely loved where he told his story. So before we go any further, the other thing you need to know about David is that he's a brand new father. One week. He has a, a daughter that is one week old. So you you have to give David a congratulations. So congratulations, David. Hey, thank you. Thank you. I see the congrats on the screen. Thank you so much. Yes, yes, yes. And so the, the, the screen that David is talking about is Periscope. And so if you're not following us on Periscope, if you haven't joined on Periscope, you should because we are streaming live video right here on Periscope. How, how can you do that? Just go to at Linnell Harris on Periscope. Follow me and you will be able to see us on Periscope. But that's not why we're here. We're not talking about Periscope. He's getting congratulations on Periscope. I'm sure many of the listening audience out in their cars and their homes are congratulating you as well. Thank so, you. Thank you. Uh, my good friend is now a father. I'm, I was teasing him. I'm like, man, you got to go get your conceal and carry now. I got to go get it. <laughs> I got a, a new little I, baby girl. I think I'm about to join the NRA, man. <laughs> <laughs> but so the topic tonight is really me sharing pieces of me and my story. And I think this is really important because I've been on the air now going on three years, actually three years. It may be this week. Yeah. Three years this weekend. Three years on the air this weekend. I I didn't even realize it. Wow. Uh, So I've been on the air now for three years. And a lot of what I've been doing is inspiring you all and and really inspiring you all to live the best life possible, right? One of the things I say almost every weekend is murder mediocrity and live the best life possible. But sometimes when you all call in, I get the notion that you feel like, I may have, one, had it easy, or two, that, you know, I pretty much had life figured out or have had life figured out or still have life figured out. And like many of you, I'm learning as I go. An inspirational perspective is as much for me as it is for all of you. And so tonight, I actually, I stopped by David's house to see his new baby girl, and we were talking and somehow we got on the fact that many people don't know my story. David, being a good friend, does know my story. And so what I want to do is empower him 
to interview me because I know I will leave out significant pieces. Yes, you will. Because it's my story. And uh, there are things that David knows about me that he probably is going to pry out of me that I may not tell. And so I don't know what questions he's going to ask. He kind of prepared this off the cuff. And I think sometimes that's how the best things happen. So I'm going to ask you guys to, one, you know, listen as David interviews. But also, if you have a question about something that he has asked me and it creates a question in your mind, by all means, I want you to join in. Give us a phone call at 773-591-1690 and make the comment or ask the question that will bring more insight to whatever parts of my story David is asking me about. So right. at this point, I'm going to turn it over to him. I don't think I've ever done this on my show where I actually turn the show over to somebody else. I must trust you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So, David, it's all yours, all right. man. All right. So... So, you know, your listening audience, my name is David Anderson. We're going to go through and just kind of, you know, this is inspirational perspective. And this is about obviously inspiring you to have a better life. But more so, you know, your author, as it will be, or your MC or your personality, Linnell Harris, a lot of people don't know his full story, understand, you know, how he's done what he's done. So what I, what I want to start first is talk, let's talk about how you were molded. So let's talk about, you know, Linnell, what was your life like growing up, right? Where okay. were you in that trajectory? You know, tell, tell us about your family, about, you know, who, who you were, like what the parts of life that were given to you, you didn't have a choice, okay. you know, it was given to you. Let's talk about that a little bit. So let's start, you know, your family, your, you know, where you grew up, all that good stuff. All right, so I'm the oldest of six. Okay. My brother and I were the only two for about 10 years. Wow, okay. Yeah, so me and my brother Ethan, the only two for about 10 years. And, you know, I had the blessed, I was blessed to be able to grow up in a two-parent household. So my father was there. Yeah. My mom was there. And um, I would say many of the key lessons, like the, the real foundation of who I am, comes from those two, my mom and my dad. Okay. My mom really taught me the importance of thinking about your finances, making wise decisions. Now you talk about thinking about your finances in what way? Did, how did she teach you? What, what, what? She was the household budgeter. She would always kind of just walk me through, like, here is what it takes to run a household. Like, I still remember some of those lessons. Mm. Just what it takes to run a household. Here is the ins and outs. And okay. I remember her sitting at the dining room table, you know, with the checkbook, you know, paying bills and her and my father talking about things. But I remember her largely running it. My father kind of just being more of the provider. And that's what I learned from him. I got my work ethic from my dad. I, I can awesome. remember him being up four thirty, five o'clock in the morning going to work. My bedroom was uh, right next to the bathroom. We had one bathroom. There was a bunch of us, one bathroom. Six kids. Yeah. And I remember him getting up and showering, getting ready for work, and it was always really early. And I just remember him repetitively every morning getting up. And then my dad was also, he also had a side gig. So Mm -hmm. I think I inherited the the entrepreneurial spirit from him with the side gig. The so side, as, as many of you know, I just left corporate America at the end of last year. But before that, I always had a side gig. So I was always dibbling and dabbling in real estate. Many of you know I'm a life coach. And so I, you know, coaching clients. And uh, 
and basically always trying to figure out how I can make money outside of a job. And I got that from my dad. He was a contractor. One of the things he used to do is uh, Saturday mornings, I remember him kicking the bed, saying, no son of mine's going to sleep all day. You need to get up <laughs> and you need to go to work. Okay. And okay. So, so, yes. so, so mom taught you, you got exposed to budgeting. You got exposed to some of the things of, mm-hmm. you know, running a household. Dad taught you, obviously, get up, go to work, make it happen. Let's talk about the exterior factors. Did you grow up in Beverly Hills or did you grow up oh, in, no, no. you know, like what, what was your exterior environment? Um, so we were, I thought when I was a child, I thought we were rich. Okay. Because, I mean, we had food in the refrigerator, right? We had a home. We always had two cars. Like my father had a car. My mom had a car. Not all the time, but I can remember significant chunks of my childhood where we had two cars. There were times we had one. But I just thought, like, that's big stuff because I was exposed to people that didn't have that. Ah, okay. And so for me... So you didn't grow up with the with the Joneses? No, oh, no, no, okay. no, not at all. All right. But I felt like I did uh-huh. because they kind of, they put a in some ways a net of protection okay. over us in regards to what we did and didn't have. It wasn't until I started to get older that I realized, wait, we don't have no money. <laughs> <laughs> Always <laughs> happen, right? Yeah, we don't have that much money. Like we were eating cornbread and beans every night. Man, <laughs> I mean, we, I think almost every morning we used to have cream of wheat. <laughs> every morning. And I liked it, so it wasn't a big deal. But we had, I mean, every morning, cream of wheat. And I think one of my, my biggest memories of realizing that we spent money differently was in school looking at the other kids' lunches. It was like, my lunch don't look like that. Yeah, I don't have a high C juice. All right. My mom told me go get some water. You can get no high C, no, no, no Capri Sun. No, man. No Capri Sun. You didn't have a Lunchable. What's it called? Lunchable is a Lunchable audience. No, Lunchables cost too much money. <laughs> <laughs> they did. I'm like, I'm not buying no Lunchable. They cost too much money <laughs> for some crackers and some cheese. No. <laughs> so, okay. So, so obviously the circumstances. And, and tell me, you, you were telling me earlier, like, just how, you know, just being a young man, you, you were speaking about how you were kind of like, you know, in your neighborhood, you kind of like, I got to make sure stuff happen before dark. Tell me about that a little bit. So, Okay, so that was when I was a little bit older. So you fast forward a little bit. So I think one of the critical things that I do need to share is that both of my parents at that part of my life were deeply grounded in their faith. Mm. And so I got exposed to what it what it looked like to be around people who believed in something deeply. And I mean, I, I tell people all the time, I remember going to, I felt like we spent more time at church than we spent at home. <laughs> I mean, we were at church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night, Friday night, Saturday, choir rehearsal, Wednesday, street meetings, track, you know, they passing out tracks. <laughs> I mean, that was. <laughs> so you were Mormon? You were like, <laughs> no, man. With the church right here on the south side of Chicago, okay. but that all was right. the reality. Yeah. I mean, that was that was my life. Faith, belief. Yeah. For, and a lot of my really good friends came from the church I grew up. I mean, to this day, I'm still friends with some of those people. So, yeah, I mean, that's a significant piece of my life that we can't leave out. Now, being the oldest of six at the age of 17, I just couldn't. I was like, I got to get out of here. Okay. So you got out of here, and yeah. so all this stuff was given to you. The reason why I went to you go through that, Linnell, was because, you know, those listening, you know, everybody has, you know, they, they're not saying everyone has a story, right? Mm-hmm. 
and everyone's story is the part of their life that is was given to you, right? You, right. skin color, hair color, right? You know, for those of you listening who may not have heard me before, I'm I'm a yeah. I'm a black man, yeah. Right. If you can't tell by my voice, <laughs> but you know, like just the things that are the things that are given to you, you couldn't right. control, and it's, no. it's it's mostly things before eighteen, right? I mean, yeah, you were exposed to faith. Your parents taught you how to budget. Your dad taught you how to get and go to work. That was all given to you. So let's talk about the switch in your life. Obviously, so you go from being at home, what was given to you, now mm-hmm. to kind of creating your own life and so let's talk about that a little bit so so what happened what, what, what was the transition okay. for you and it, or what did you go you went to school what happened yeah so there's there's one piece that I, we can't leave out okay that's my high school experience okay so my mom really believed in making sure we got a great education you know so kudos to her because she yanked us from the schools we were in i remember being highly upset with her i mean i was up Set. Okay. Because you yanked us from all our friends and put us in a private school. And for me, it was culture shock because my brother and I were the first black students in this school. You and your brother? My, me and my brother. First okay. black students in this suburban, all white, hot, private high school. Wow. And I remember for the first time realizing how different I was. Mm. I had gone to predominantly you know, black public schools. I mean, I knew there were white people, Hispanic people, but I hadn't interacted with them the way that I was forced to going into high school. Mm. And that played a significant role in my life because as a freshman in high school, for the first time, I was a significant minority. People didn't like me for no reason other than the fact that I was black I mean, and I was used to being, you know, at least liked and, you know, people yeah, being friendly. And so it was like, whoa, what is happening? And it was a situation where I had never been called derogatory names. Yeah. And some of that was surfacing. And it was like, what? Like, I mean, it was just a, I remember that being a very tough time and transition in my life. But here's why it's important. Because I believe that some of the lessons that many of us learn later on when we get into college or corporate America, I learned those lessons in high school. So my ability to relate to other people, I believe, was drastically changed at a very young age. Mm -hmm. I realized I was different. I realized that they were different and that. I had to work to build a bridge. Otherwise, I would not be successful. Wow. Okay, so we're going to take a note there because we're going to come back and hit that point about building bridges of success and uncomfortability. But mm-hmm. So you went off to, to college. Right. Right? Well, yeah, I went off to college. But before I went to college, I left home. Okay, so you left home. At 17. Packed your bag, yep. 17, left home, yep. and went where? West Side. So I went to the west side of I Chicago. Found, I found an apartment on the west side of Chicago. <laughs> 500 bucks. Okay. And I, I wanted to be grown. I had to get out that house. It was too many children. Okay. <laughs> too many demands. 
Too many children. Too many rules. A lot of rules. Okay. A whole lot of rules. You got to be in at this time. You can't do this. You can't do You're not going to disrespect my house. Yeah. So, so, so you went by the old rule that if I got to live in your house, you got to live, your mom, mama say, if you live in my house, you got to live by my rules. So you said, then I got to get my own house. Then I'm leaving. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so you got your own house. So I left. Okay. Went and to the west side of Chicago. West side of Chicago. I got an apartment over on, uh, Augusta and, um, ah, I lost it. Just lost it. It's right. It's Leamington. I think it's Leamington. Okay. Augusta and Leamington. And, um, for the first time, I'm like, yo, this is real. Like, like taking care of yourself is not easy. Like, oh, snap. If I don't pay the bills, they won't uh, get paid. I mean, I mean, I have lights. Yeah. <laughs> and remember, this is in the 90s. So the funny part to me is, I mean, murder is horrible. Don't get yeah, me wrong. Yeah, of course. But for those of you who grew up when I grew up in the 90s, you know, what the media makes of what's happening in Chicago right now, if you go back and look at the history books at the murder rate, it was double, triple what it is now. I mean, so I remember being 17, 18 years old and making it through a summer thinking, thank God I didn't get shot. Seriously. I remember what it's like yeah. to fear for your life. And one of the stories I was telling you, David, is I can remember wanting to run to the beefies down the street on the west side of Chicago and literally looking out the window like it's about to get dark. I got to do this right now because I don't want to go outside when it's dark because it's a war zone. Wow. Wow. So. So. OK. So. So. So you leave the comfort of your parents home. Go yep. to the west side. Yep. Avoid getting shot. And then, like, I mean, that's a whole psychology there, but we'll put a pin right there, and we're going to come back to that, too. You eventually matriculate into college. Yep. Right? Now, what happened in college? Like, what happened? <laughs> you go to college. Now, here you are, right? What happens? So, I end up getting accepted into Northern Illinois University. And uh, I go to Northern Illinois. And the Huskies, big shout out if you're out there. Huskies, NIU. yes. Any Huskies? Big shout out to you. Plenty of Huskies that know me. All right. And uh, I go there, and I last three semesters before I get kicked out. Okay. Oh, wait, you didn't leave. You got kicked out. I got kicked out. You got kicked out? Yeah. Meaning that you didn't perform? I didn't perform. All right, so why didn't you perform, Linnell? <laughs> I was having too much fun. Okay. I was having a good time. I mean, to just keep it, I had left home at 17. I was hustling, working. I went to Triton College, played basketball there. And now I'm like, I'm in Northern Illinois, and I was just, it felt carefree. Mm -hmm. I was 20, 21 years old and carefree, not really thinking about my future. And the next thing I know, I get a pink slip that says, your grades are less than subpar. And as a result, you are no longer welcome. That's, I mean, I remember that moment. It was like, whoa. And so all of a sudden, I'm back in the house that I didn't want to be in. And I'm literally on my back. I mean, I don't have anything. I like it. I like that moment. You know why? Because it's those moments. See, and obviously we'll we'll get to some of the successes and the, the, the glory of it. But it's those moments where you go through life and people... Like you screw up, you mess up, 
you fail miserably, you fall on your back or whatever it is. That's the stuff that makes us right. That's the stuff that separates the great from the okay, And uh, it separates the wheat from the it it separates the crowd because we all got to go through that stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. You were playing around too much or you were having fun in college and you didn't perform. When you don't perform, you got to feel pain. And it's, it was the first real life. I had some real life lessons before that, but it was probably one of the biggest real life lessons I got. Because talk about my pride. I mean, I lied to most of the people I knew. Hey, man, why are you not coming back? Oh, I'm going to stay in the city and work. I'm going to go to UIC. <laughs> I mean, I, I just didn't tell the truth. Right. I didn't know how to. Right. I mean, it was, I was, I was, I was ashamed. Well, that's what happens, right? People, yeah, something absolutely. happens, you don't perform on the job, you get fired. Well, mm-hmm. you know, my manager was, you know, sucked, you know, or the company was this. Right, it's so, their fault. Right, it was their fault. Or, you know, yeah. my business failed, right? And, mm-hmm. oh, it was because, you know, the market crashed, right? right. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, it's all type of reasons, right? Always external factors. Exactly, right? Yeah. So, so, so you fail miserably. This is great for the audience to know. Fail miserably, didn't do what you're supposed to do. So you're out of college now. You're doing what? I'm basically washing cars, detailing cars, and hustling at a jewel, the Jules Osco warehouse on Melrose Park. Many people know what that is. Loading trucks for like $10 an hour. Now, you're not 17, 18. You're at, you're no, at 20, I'm, I'm 22, 23 years you're old. You're 22, now. 23 yeah. years old. Yeah. College dropout, loading trucks. Yeah, man. <laughs> Come back when you're ready. All right. So we, we've gone through the fact that obviously, so family, you know, pretty much your parents did the best they could. They gave you everything they have, which most parents that are out there and yeah. you're doing that, you know, just know that, you know, you are creating the next Linnell Harris, right? So taught you how to budget, taught you how to work, taught you how to, you know, get out on your own to the point where you said, right. look, I got to get my own place, 17 years old, move to the west side, not the best neighborhood. The murder rate was double, triple what it is today. Right. You figure some things out, making it, decide to go to northern, get dismissed or kicked out or drop out, how you want to put it, mm-hmm. um, from northern and now you're working at Jewel as a, you know, lifting boxes in warehouse, the warehouse. In the warehouse, yeah. And just like, what am I going to do with my life? So, so I love this part of people's story, right? This is like yeah. the defining moment. Here we go, right? So where was it, Linnell? What was the switch? What was the click for you? When did, when did you say, all right, I know I can be more. I know I can do more. I know that, like, what was the events? What were the events that happened yeah. that, that took you to the next level? So there were a couple. One in particular was my mom, who was like, go back to school, go back to school, go back to school. I mean, relentless. And it's funny because at the time, it got on my nerves. I mean, it just got, I was like, oh, man, I can't get out this house fast enough. Right? But it being in my head, I'm like, okay, maybe I need to go back to school. And then the, the second person was a gentleman at the Jewels Warehouse. One day I'm, I'm running through the warehouse and mind you, I'm 23 years old and you, you mean, you got guys who, who still work there. I mean, it's a respectable job and they, they get paid well. It's a hard job. And one of the gentlemen there pulled me to the side and he said, look, man, you know, at lunch, sometimes I talk to you and I observe you. You're different mm. and you're still young. Why don't you go figure out how to use your brain to make this kind of money versus your muscle? Wow. And that, wow. 
that clicked something for me. Wow. I was like, I knew I was smart. I graduated high school in three years, man, top of my class. So I knew it wasn't a matter of aptitude and intelligence. It was just more a matter of discipline. And so something clicked, and I thought, man, he's right. I can lift these boxes right now. But I, I remember seeing some of these cats, you know, go out on workman's comp, get injured. And I knew that if I stayed there, I would be in the same situation and I would hit an income ceiling. Yep. And so what I decided to do was look for another job where I could use my brain. And so I started applying to jobs. I got a gig at Kinko's. Okay. And I got the job at Kinko's. I then went back to Triton College and finished up my associate's degree. Okay. And I always laugh because I tell people I don't have a bachelor's degree. And it took me six years to get an associate's degree. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So, 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 yep. so, so, so God bless this guy. We can, you know, I don't know if he's still alive today, but. Man, if I ever saw him, man. But the I, guy, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I would recognize him if I saw him. If I ever yeah. saw him. I mean, if he's listening. Yeah. I mean, dude, call 773 <laughs> Seriously, because, I mean, he was an angel. Seriously. Yeah. An angel. Because sometimes it's not like my parents weren't saying it. But yeah. you can't hear them. Yeah, sometimes you gotta hear outside yeah. voices, other people yeah. say things. And, and, and I, oh, I get it, I get it. So the guy says to you, look, you gotta find a way to use your brain, not your mm-hmm. bronze. You're smarter than that. You can do more than that. You can yep. be more than that. You're still young enough. Yep. So then you move on, you go to Kinko's. But I want the audience to hear and understand, when was the switch, the mentality switch? When did the, the turn, we all, we all have it. We yep. all have it, right? When did the turn of like, I'm going to reach, Success. I'm going to reach my full potential. I'm going to become all that I can be. When did that start to happen? So that started to happen about 24, 25 years old. Okay. And uh, so now I left Kinko's. I'm at, I'm at Allstate Insurance. And uh, I got an entry-level role in call centers. Got it. Okay. And I'm beginning to realize that people aren't that different from me, whether they're white or black, Asian, Hispanic. Like, we're all trying to figure this thing out. Mm-hmm. And one of the defining moments for me, I would say in my life, was a day when the then director of the facility I was in walked into an office that I was sitting in, and he began to basically get really upset with the leaders in the room. I wasn't a leader. I was a peon, entry level. And he got really upset with the leaders in the room saying, you all don't know what you're doing. Does anybody know what they're doing, and, and I'm cleaning it up for radio. <laughs> and I remember sitting there saying, man, everybody's more educated than me, but they don't seem to know more than I know. And I hadn't gone, I mean, at this point, all I have is an associate's degree. So I had this image in my mind that when you get a bachelor's or a master's, that you're ready yeah, And I didn't realize that they had new jobs and they were trying to figure out some of the same things I was trying to figure out. And so that night, I went to Borders. After work, I went to Borders Bookstore. And I it's, remember, this is a call center environment. And I found the section where they had call center books. There were 13 books by different authors okay. lined up. On this shelf, right? 13 okay. separate books. They were like, you know, a lot of books, but 13 separate titles. Okay. And at that point, 
I decided I was going to buy one copy of every one of those books. So you spent three hundred bucks on books. It was two hundred and three dollars exactly. You <laughs> the price. <laughs> and, and the reason I remember is because again, I was entry level. I was living at home and barely paying my car note and in debt. I didn't finish school, man. I had I had a loan from Northern Illinois. Illinois. I had you know when I was having fun, I was sliding credit cards like. They were magic. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. Back then, they used to give you credit cards. Yeah, they, I mean, they just gave you a credit card. Yeah, you and so I'm credit sliding card, credit card. cards like it's magic, like yeah. you don't ever have to pay it back. Yeah. And now I'm buried in debt, 24 years old, living at home, and I'm just trying to I'm trying to get out. So I, I remember paying $203 for it because I had to make a decision. Am I going to make this investment and skip some lunches? And maybe have to borrow some money for gas and do this for what I see in my foreseeable future. And, and so I bought these 13 books and for the next six months, all I did was study these books. I want to just take a, a stop real quick because, you know, for those listening, it's interesting when you have these conversations with people. It always goes back to something like they made a, it's a defining moment of a decision of like, I'm going to get something or I'm going to yeah. do something, mm-hmm. right? And I'm going to make it happen. And it's always like something outrageous. Like I'm going to buy 13 books or I'm going to like, I'm yeah. signing up for this seminar and like, it's, I don't even have the money to do it, you know, right. or yep. I want to like, you finally make a decision, a life defining decision. Like there's no excuses. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to make any type of, uh, I'm not going to procrastinate. I'm going to show up to the bookstore and you buy the 13 books. So so let's fast forward. So you buy the 13 books. Changed my life. Why? Because the call center industry was new. And so after studying those books in that facility, I became the foremost knowledge on staffing and scheduling and operations for call centers and call center technology. That got me promoted to global manager Mind you, at the age of 26 years old, global manager, it opened up opportunities to travel the world, India, and then opened wait, up the wait, opportunity. Wait, 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 time out, time out, yeah. time out. Because you made a decision yeah. Yeah. to read the books and to do it, it opened up global opportunities, Yep. got promoted. Mm-hmm. I got promoted. I mean, the next year I made supervisor, the year after that I made manager. Because nobody else understood call centers the way I did in the entire company. You know what's powerful? I'm going yeah. to start right there just a second. Yeah. But you know what's interesting? A lot of times if you're listening into it, a lot of times people think, like, mm-hmm. my company's not developing me. Yeah, you got to develop yourself. Right? Yeah. It's, <laughs> like, your, it's your response. Like, my company's not developing me. Oh, my boss isn't developing yeah. me. Or this, whatever it is. Like, like my boss can tell me what books to read and send me to the right classes. No. Mm-hmm. Like, it's your responsibility to develop yourself. If you have a company or a boss that does that, then thank God, that's yeah. awesome. Right? In, in coaching, we call that a victim mentality, being at effect. Mm. And the idea is we need to take responsibility for our lives and be at cause. I like it. I didn't know what I was doing back then. I just wanted to, I knew I was an underdog. I knew I didn't have the education, the bachelors bachelors and the masters. And so I knew I had to do something radical where I could be noticed and get myself some leverage 
so I could do something with my life. And so that's the only thing I knew how to do. And I did it. All right. So you get promoted, the call. Mm-hmm. So there's, now you're going global. Now I'm global. Right. That changed my life. Why did that change your life? Because for the first time I began to see that there was more than Chicago. It was more than the west side of the south side. And the There's, north side, too? North side, right. Wait, and, the north side ain't making it? If I'm on the north side of Chicago, I ain't made it yet? Oh, yeah, you made it. But I wasn't exposed to that. <laughs> I wasn't exposed to the north side. And so, and, and, and I traveled as a child. Uh-huh. But one of the things about being in the United States is, especially as an African-American, is, is the context of being persecuted. And all of a sudden, I saw, like in India, where it wasn't about your color, it was about your last name. Oh, yeah, the Patels versus the... Uh, yeah, yeah, it was about the cast. I mean, so you got people who look alike treating each other differently based on last names, Crazy, based man. on families, based on levels of wealth. So then I began to realize, wait a second, this discrimination racial thing... This is a human phenomenon. Yes, it's not about... <laughs> it's not about me being black and them being white. This is nope. just a story we tell ourselves to make other people feel good and other people feel bad. Oh, dude. And if I'm, if I'm going to break the mold of the story... I can't believe in it anymore. Uh, you can stay all night on that. So, all right. So here we go. So, Linnell, let's talk about, because you made it to the top of corporate America of a billion dollar company. Four and a half billion. Right. Four, sorry. Four and a half. Sorry, people. Four and a half billion. <laughs> four times four billion. Okay. Yeah. Company. Just somebody's out there right now listening, driving their car, right? Uh-huh. And they're listening right now, and they're like, okay, this is an interesting story. What I want you to do is give, give that person, like, one, because I, I want to get on to some of the other the, the mm-hmm. other stuff. Okay. One meat, like, one piece, like one golden nugget, so to speak. How does one, without a bachelorate, a master's degree, Go to the top of a four and a half billion dollar company. What was just one golden nugget? Okay. One golden nugget. I can't do one. I got to do two. Okay. Two. Okay. So two. The first one is I never believed what people told me I couldn't do. I just didn't believe it. (laughs) So imagine I mean, I'm in corporate America now at a senior manager level running a, a global call center operation. And the next level is director. Mm-hmm. Linnell, you can't be a director because you don't have a degree. Or Linnell, you can't be a director because you don't communicate well. And to be fair, I had significant communication issues. When you listen to me now, you're probably like, there's no way. I had significant communication issues. I, I would stutter. I couldn't articulate my thoughts. I would get nervous. I mean, I, I would sweat if I had to read out a report. <laughs> I mean, it was bad. And so I had to make a decision that I'm going to overcome this. And so part of what I would do is I would go home. Now I'm out, out of my parents' house. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on my own. And I would go home and watch the news and say everything they said after they said it so I could teach myself how to speak with eloquence how to articulate my words. And I still I still have problems with some words. My mother called me last year, and she was like, Linnell, do you know when you say the word poverty, you say P-R-O, poverty? 
<laughs> and funny. I was like, no, I didn't know that. She's like, yeah, you, you don't say that word right. I'm like, okay. And then I have to, I still catch myself saying poverty. <laughs> but I mean, so I, hey, as polished as you might think I am, like this, I mean, I worked, I worked and worked and worked to be able to speak this way. Because I, I could not speak in a public arena quite like this. I like it. I like it. I like it. So that's one nugget. What's so that's second, one nugget. Second nugget. The second nugget is relationships. What I began to find out is that if I ran in the right circles and I knew the right people, that the rules could bend. Mm. And so. Explain that. Explain that. It's a, it's a little bit more. All right. So. People always say it's about who you know. Right. But I don't think they realize how true it is. I don't think they realize how true it is. I mean, I wouldn't be on a radio right now if I didn't know Melody Span Cooper. <laughs> it's who you know. I mean, real talk. Yeah. So I think two things, leverage and relationships. So I always made sure I was the best at what I was doing. Okay. And so I, I can't leave that out. So part of it is leverage. Yes. And part of the reason I was able to build the relationships with people who I built the relationships with is because I made myself important to them. What do you mean by that? And so what I mean by that is there was one instance when I went to my leader and I asked about uh, the director role. I was a senior manager and I said, hey, do you think I can be considered for the director? And that leader said to me, well, you don't have a bachelor's degree. And I said, you know what? then I think it's time for me to leave the company and go get my degree. And that's what I mean by leverage. Because when I said that, like if you saw the look on their face, it was like, ah, wait, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Because I knew I had created a certain amount of value at the organization. One of the things I always tell young people who come to me for mentorship is make yourself irreplaceable. They will always tell you that you are replaceable but you can make yourself irreplaceable. I had a motto when I went into work that if I'm going to be here for eight hours, I'm going to be here for eight hours. Like I'm about to put everything I have into this. So that way, if layoffs ever come, I know I'm like one of the top one, two, three people that layoffs ain't going to hit me because I'm that good. And that's, that's just the model I live by. And so when you're doing that, then you can demand certain relationships. Like, hey, I hear you guys have drinks. Can I come? I mean, I wasn't invited. I kind of invited myself. But how do you tell the guy who's leading your your global operations, no? Oh, yeah, yeah, come. And then after a while, they get to know you by name. I'm no longer the young black guy. I'm Linnell Harris. And so now... You know, when the director role came open, it's like, hey, we want to consider you for this. Would you be open to taking it? Yes. Mm -hmm. Same thing. When I finally made vice president chief diversity officer, I was approached about the role. And then somebody came to me and said, Linnell, you know, the rumor is the only reason you got promoted to that level of a role is because of who you knew. And I sat back in my chair and I laughed and I'm like, go back and tell them they're right. <laughs> <laughs> so who you know matters. So we're yeah. going to close this out, but obviously it's about Linnell's story and about his ascendance or his rise, right, in his own life to success. 
But as we get ready to close on that, I want to make sure we, we, we stuck our pin in it. Why is it so important? Mm-hmm. Why is it so important that people understand that they are writing their own story? Well, I think first and foremost, it's important because nobody is going to do it for you. I mean, if you have a sense of entitlement that you deserve something or someone should do something for you, like it's time to scratch that. Nobody is going to look after you. Nobody's going to do it for you. And so you have to get to a point where you're willing to take complete ownership for your life. And then, I mean, I had a workshop today, the, the Purpose Power Possibility Workshop. And one of the things I shared was, you have to get to a point where you're willing to make audacious declarations and then lean into the resistance as it happens. Because whenever you say you're going to do something big or you, you see a big possibility, resistance will come and you have a decision to make. Am I going to be a victim or am I going to lean in and make it happen? And part of what I've decided to do throughout my life is just lean in and make it happen. Not perfectly. Right. And we haven't even covered like how I became a life coach and and how I began to do some of the things that I'm doing now. I would love to cover that in another segment. If you will. But if there's anything I can give you is one, if you want to do whatever it is, it's not, you know, easy is not part of the ingredients. And two, like take full control, be at cause for your life, be responsible for your own life. And with that, I think we this, we can end part one of my story. That's right. Yeah. Write your story, people. Write your story. This is Inspirational Perspective with Mr. Linnell Harris. I'm David Anderson, the guest interviewer. It was awesome, Linnell. Man, thank you, brother.